Hello and welcome to the AIU Spotlight podcast. I'm Gareth Long, Communications Coordinator with the Faculty of Arts, Humanities and Social Sciences, and I'll be interviewing staff, students and alumni from the faculty to explore their personal experiences of education and professional life, as well as their advice for anyone hoping to work in the same field. In this episode, I talk with children's book author and illustrator Kristin Rosgift. Kristin graduated from AIU's BA Honours Illustration course in 1998 and has since gone on to publish eight children's books, as well as setting up Publishing House Magicon with her husband. Her latest book, Everybody Counts, has been translated into 40 languages and in 2019 it won the Nordic Council Children and Young People's Literature Prize. So with no further ado, let's get on with the podcast. Kristen, morning. Hello. Good to see you. Thanks for joining me for the AIU Spotlight podcast. Can you tell everybody a little bit about who you are, what course you studied at AIU and what you've been doing since you graduated, please? Yes, my name is Kristin Rushifta. I'm a Norwegian and I did a BA in illustration um, at AIU in uh, 95 to 98. I went on to do an MA illustration uh, at Kingston University and then I went back to Norway and I worked as an illustrator ever since. Uh, started doing children's books as well, um, writing, um, writing and illustrating, illustrating my own children's books. The first one was published in 2003. I've done eight altogether now. Yeah, I worked mostly on children's books, but uh, with a big variety of different commissions as well. The three books, the three first books I did were published at one of the biggest um, publishing companies in Norway, Kappelen. After that, I started a publishing company with my husband that we're still running. That was 2007, and we're still running that now, Magicon. He's an illustrator as well. Um, the idea was to do books that were mostly visual, mostly picture books for children, but also some art books for adults, um, comics. So we are publishing my books. He's running the company. He's doing most of the publishing, whereas I'm still doing um, illustration and uh, my own books. So you get to do the fun bit while he does the business side. Exactly. <laughs> Good deal. <laughs> yeah. So you release other people's books through the publishing company as well? Yes. Yeah. Um, How many authors have you got on board at the moment? Oh my God. Uh, it's become quite a few uh, since we've been doing it since 2007. Um, I don't really have the number, but uh, and it varies very much from year to year. It's his full-time job now. And um, it was part of the deal from the beginning. He's an illustrator as well. And he was curious with um, the whole uh, publishing business and wondering um, if uh, we could make it on our own. Uh, whereas I was, I was mostly interested in um, in doing the books and continuing uh, working full time as an illustrator. And do you publish books internationally as well, or is it purely in Norway? Uh, no, actually, we have had very many books translated into different languages. And my latest book alone has been transla translated into 38 languages. So that has become the biggest part of the whole business, actually. And they're available in the UK? Yeah, some of them. My, my latest book, Everybody Counts, is available there and um, some of our uh, other ones. Everybody Counts, that's, that's the one that you won the Nordic Council Children and Young People's Literature Prize for, is that right? Yes. 
how did that feel winning that and what was the effect of it on your life do you think wow that was amazing and uh so so totally unexpected i'd never even thought about it as a, a possibility before i was nominated and that's a literature award i'd won awards for illustration before but it felt very good to be um awarded this for the whole book including the text as well and of course it uh, means a lot in terms of uh, being more visible it has opened so many doors for me I've been invited so many places and um, gotten to know children's book illustrators and authors and um, people in the business uh, all of the Nordic countries it's it's been great what were the prizes you've won for illustration we have some of which in the watch for illustration and for um, picture books. It's uh, quite kind of equivalent to the AOI illustration awards. The, uh, oh, no, I know that. Association of Illustrators. Is that right? Sorry, I work on quite a lot of different courses. Of course, yes, of <laughs> it takes me a while to remember all the acronyms, <laughs> just for people out there. I think the AOI is somebody that has quite a strong connection with the courses at AIU as well. Was there anything like that? on the course when you were a student, any connections with industry um, like that? We were encouraged to take part in different competitions and things like that. I think we were encouraged to become members of the Association of Illustrators as well, but I can't remember more than that. But I think I saw recently that very many of the MA students uh, from um, Cambridge School of Art were nominated for the AOI World Illustration Award. I think that happens every year. So, yeah, so that's uh, definitely a great way of getting seen when you're a student. Straight after finishing my BA, I won the Norwegian equivalent to the AOI Awards. Before you did your MA? Yes. As well. Again, I think awards are always a good way of getting seen. So it was a good thing to have on the CV. Of course, back then you had to physically travel around and show your portfolio to people. And then it was a good thing that they perhaps remembered me from that award. When I finished my BA, I did very strange and conceptual things. When you're young students, you are very far away from, from childhood. You're not at all a child yourself anymore and uh, you haven't had children yet. So I felt very remote from that world of children's books. That was not what I imagined I'd do. But uh, I visited publishing houses in England and um, I think they mostly thought that I was too, um, yeah, my stuff was not really available enough, I think, back then. But I visited some uh, Norwegian publishing houses, mostly thinking about uh, doing book covers for them, uh, that kind of thing. But I met, and this was a very important meeting for me, I met an editor who was very curious with my sketchbook. And she had the time to flick through it and to ask me questions about what I've, I'd scribbled down. And I'd um, done some sketches of weird kind of story or it wasn't even a story it was um it's just a, an idea that I had I'd done for myself I didn't even think it was worth telling her the idea but uh, she uh, insisted and um, a couple of days later she rang me and she said um, I think I want to make a book out of that idea and that was my first picture book which was um, very conceptual one of these um, books where you start on an abstract detail and you don't know what it is and as you zoomed out on that detail you thought you knew what you were seeing but the world changed and in my case you ended up with the same abstract detail so it was um, a bit of a strange narrow little book but that was the start 
for me. I did two more books for them. So kind of showing children a perspective. Yes. I've always been very uh, interested in details. It's a very detailed book. I didn't think back then that it was a children's book, but I realise now that I, even even though the fresh books were very conceptual and uh, not a chronological story with a good morale or, a, or cute characters, that I thought that children's books had to be. It was an eye-opener for me that it was possible to do children's books like that. I continued doing books that were more conceptual. One of my first books was a Q. The Q starts on the cover and uh, you don't know what people are queuing up for. And they are queuing through the whole book. The whole book is a queue and you find out on the last page what they're queuing up for. So basically the book is about everything that everything that we have in common, but also what sets us apart. And um, I think that theme is something that goes through all my books. And it's pretty much the same um, subject as my latest book, Everybody Counts, but done in a totally different way. Because you see these people, all these people in the queue, they are so different. Uh, and you uh, hopefully think, what can they possibly have in common? But in the end, you see um, that they do have something in common and we are all just people. That sounds like an excellent idea. One of the things that comes up quite often when I talk to people about their experiences at university is how much it opens their eyes to how different people can be, you know, the, the, the range of people that they come into contact with, and it just totally broadens their perspective on the world, you know, and, and the people within it. And that to see a book like that, what, what age range is the book for? I actually think of it as a book for all ages. But yeah. again, I see that my illustrations are very childlike and uh, they are perceived as children's books. The youngest children can look at them without understanding everything. But I suppose from five, six years upwards is the main focus group. Did having children yourself change the way you approached children's books? Were you getting more feedback, quicker feedback from them? Have you been able to test your ideas on them? <laughs> yeah, I do test my ideas on them. Because before I had children, I worried sometimes that I did books that were too complicated for children to understand, that I used uh, a language that was too adult, that the details that I, um, because a lot of my books, are, my books are about finding details and the stories, being observant and um, uh, figuring things out. I worried a bit that I trusted too much that children would get it. But after having had my own children and having read a lot uh, for other children as well, I realised that you don't need to worry about that because children are good with details and they understand so much more than you think. And uh, when they don't understand thing, they, things, they either ask or they don't understand that they don't understand it and they just move on and it doesn't matter. And maybe when they read the book a couple of years later, they realise that they can read it at a different level. But I'm not sure if having children has changed the way I do books, but it has changed my worldview in a way. I'm more emotional than I I was before I had children. It feels safe and secure in a way to have such a close relationship to, to children. But I do think I could have worked with children's books without ever having had children myself. But of course, they are a huge inspiration and they, um, they're a motivation for me, but they also they say and do so much. It's really good research to be able to uh, notice things up close, to, to be able to actually follow uh, a life from the very beginning and through all the phases. It has definitely 
taught me a lot that's valuable in my my job as well. Is there anything in particular that inspired you to get involved with illustration in the first place? Yes, I was always interested in drawing. That was my main interest for as long as I can remember. So I always knew that I wanted to do something that had to do with drawing. I didn't even know what illustration was when I grew up. I did not come from a very creative um, environment. I needed to figure all these things out myself. I felt very sure about doing drawing somehow. After my A-levels, I did one year uh, at a, an independent art school in Oslo before I went to England. I didn't really know whether or not illustration would be the path that I would continue on, but it felt like a natural way to start. And when I started, it felt natural to continue and I've never really looked back. Were there any illustrators that you saw early on and thought, that is what I want to do? It's interesting to think back because it's hard for us to imagine, but it must be uh, harder for young people today to, or almost impossible to imagine a world without the internet. Everything that you saw was what was um, physically available to you. And I did not have a lot to see when I was uh, a child. I used a local library a lot, but I can't even remember the art <laughs> section. Uh, it was probably not very big, but I remember them. I borrowed a book by Betty Edwards, Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain, and that was um, a huge revelation to me. I could sit down and read about drawing and learn drawing for myself. That was just felt like such a powerful thing. I did all the exercises in the book. I got very interested in, in learning techniques of drawing, but I don't think I was very aware of um, what illustrators did. It was very random the art that I was um, exposed to. We had a book on Edward Monk, so I was very interested in him. <laughs> Some uh, uh, illustrated fairy tales. When I came to England, it was amazing how, how you had the whole world of art and illustration opened up. There was a, a good library at uh, ARU. You know, we couldn't afford to buy books back then. So, so if I saw something I wanted to remember, I would photocopy it and keep it in boxes that was like our pinterest <laughs> it's hard to even remember what it was like everything visual was it wasn't as available uh, to us as it is now uh, obviously went to a lot of bookshops i went to london and saw a lot of exhibitions and uh, sat in bookshops for hours and hours and and looked through books was it difficult to get access to that kind of thing in norway when you were growing up yeah uh, i grew up in a small town and um, we didn't have bookstores with them. Um, I can't even rem remember. The, the bookstores would probably have a few artist books, but only what was most famous in Norway at that time. Oslo would have um, bigger bookshops, but that was, even Oslo was out of my reach back then. But I did spend a year in Oslo uh, before I went to England. And, um, and of course, then um, there were good libraries and, and uh, bookshops there. But um, everything was bigger in England. And uh, that was uh, very exciting when I was 20 years old. I hadn't really seen much yet. So what made you decide to move to Cambridge to study? The art school that I went to after A-levels, there were a couple of other students who were going to England to study, um, to London. They were doing graphic design and I wanted to do illustration. So I um, I don't even remember how we did research back then. <laughs> but I did find Me out. That, uh, <laughs> uh, 
I mostly found out about uh, ARU and uh, I thought Cambridge sounded nice, but I knew very little. So it was very lucky that it was such a great place and I, I was so pleased with it all. How did you feel about Cambridge when you got here? Uh, uh, Cambridge was such a wonderful place. I'd seen nothing like it, obviously. To live in a place like that when you your biggest passion is drawing is rather amazing. It had everything that I needed at that time. So I remember it as a very, very inspiring time. I met some other students and we um, shared a house. We rented a house with an extra room that we could use as a studio. And uh, that was probably the most important idea uh, we had. <laughs> you were all art students, were you? Yeah, yeah, we were all art, uh, yeah, okay. graphic art and illustration students. And we spent uh, so many hours in that studio. I think the university closed at eight or something and we would draw until late pretty much every day and sit there and, and talk and draw. It was such a good atmosphere in that studio. And I've actually, I've kept in touch with them. A couple of weeks ago, I was in, at the book fair in Frankfurt and uh, two of them live in Germany. So I spent a few days visiting them afterwards. We did exactly the same thing as we did in Cambridge. We, <laughs> we drew and talked uh, until uh, very late. Uh, it was lovely. Was that the first time you'd seen them since graduating or had you kept no, in touch? We have kept in touch, but uh, it had been um, many, many years. And they got married, so they're a couple now, and um, they had uh, almost adult kids. I would have thought that we saw each other five years ago, but the kids are evidence that it must have been longer. <laughs> what was your favourite thing about Cambridge? Was it the inspiration from, for drawing? I think it was a mixture of everything, of uh, all the people I met, the atmosphere, the architecture, the being there with the one purpose to study illustration, to have all the time in the world to just do what I liked the most was um, was great. Yeah, it was a mixture of everything that I talked about, really. Have you been back often since your graduation? No, uh, and I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure why. It's probably because most of my friends moved away after after we finished studying. And when I go to England, uh, I'm usually occupied in uh, in London. I did go back some a couple of times um, in the years after we left. But I went back recently, actually, in September. I did a talk for the MA Picture Book Illustration students. And I realised I had not been in Cambridge in 15 years. So that was, uh, oh, it was wonderful to be back. And a strange mixture of uh, remembering things and not remembering things. I thought, for example, that I would definitely find my way around the building that I used to be in, the Ruskin building. But I needed help. <laughs> it took some time to, to recognise it properly. Cambridge was um, a wonderful place to go back to because there are so many things that haven't changed. And the city centre was pretty much the same, although the station area was completely unrecognisable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that has changed quite considerably recently. Were there any of your old tutors still around when you visited? Yeah, Martin Salisbury is still around, but he got COVID when yeah. I was there, so oh. <laughs> that was bad timing. Let's talk a little bit about the, the actual illustration course that you took. Wh which aspects of it do you think most helped your career development? I think that in general, it was 
looking and uh, learning to really observe and of course drawing. But we went on a field trip to Budapest quite early on in the course. And that was a huge eye opener for me. We um, were given a sketchbook each and just told to go out and be inspired and draw and um, try to document as much of the city as we could. And then we'd meet every evening and have crits and uh, look at everybody's observations. I absolutely loved that whole experience and the way we uh, learned to look, uh, to really look at things and to find everything in anything uh, interesting that stuck with me and I, I I remember I made a decision to try to observe and to look at the world like that when we got back as well and of course Cambridge was um, was also um, pretty new to me back then but I have tried to observe in that way wherever I have been ever since that trip really started mm, sketchbook habit that I've kept ever since and um that has been the most valuable tool in my job by far. So I think, yeah, observing and um, keeping sketchbooks, I think, were the most important uh, things uh, I learned. That probably doesn't sound like much, but it, it has been hugely important to me. Do you find when you're wandering around, particularly new places, that you're immediately seeing things and thinking, how would I draw that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I wouldn't go uh, to a new place without a sketchbook. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel if I, um, well, of course, now we have, have uh, mobile phones and cameras, uh, so you can always capture something if you need to rem remember it. I do that a lot, but I, I still like drawing on location. I feel if I leave the house without a sketchbook, it feels like I'm not looking in the quite the same way as I do when I know that I have it. <laughs> it must help that your husband's an illustrator as well, because he, he must be doing the same thing rather than thinking just enjoyed the sights. Yeah, it was necessary for me to be with someone who understood that passion, definitely. Although he doesn't draw as much as I do now, uh, he understands. I've never heard a single complaint about me drawing too much, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, it's very much a lifestyle and their kids as well. They have grown up with drawing and sketchbooks all around them. I um, overheard them playing Trivial Pursuit junior edition and the youngest child was asked what is the name of the little book you need to carry with you when you travel and uh, the answer was supposed to be passport but he, he replied sketchbook <laughs> so um yeah it's uh, drawing is a big part of our family are they taking after you both as well then with the drawing a couple of them are very fond of drawing i'm not sure they will um follow that path but they're all I'm very happy to see that they have uh, all um, fallen in love with reading. They read a lot in that way. I feel that we've succeeded in having them love books instead of it being too much exposed to, to books in our house. Could have gone both ways, I mean. Aside from the illustration skills, what do you think was the most valuable thing the course gave you? Well, everything was so different back then. I remember, for example, that Martin Salisbury tried to uh, encourage me to do more um, computer work, and uh, I should have, but that was at a time when no one had their own computer. We had maybe five or something, a few computers available to us at college, and um, I knew that if I got really interested in it, I wouldn't have the possibility to to work with it. So it felt 
like something that was a bit impossible to get into at that time. But of course, by the time I did my MA, I um, had my own computer. I learned the basics that I needed. So after my MA, I, my um, work was uh, much more computer-based. Another thing that was very valuable for me uh, in Cambridge was that I was allowed to experiment a lot and that I did a lot of personal projects that were very strange and probably didn't have much to do with illustration at all. They're more like conceptual art uh, pieces. I'm glad I got to experiment with a lot of stuff like that. And I can see a link from what I did back then to my books today. So basically trying to find new ways of um, seeing the world in a way. My latest book, Everybody Counts, it's an idea-based book. It's Again, it's not a chronological story. It has a lot of things in common with the personal projects I did back then. Yeah, I was supposed to trust that your ideas were worth something, that it was worth uh, trying things out and trusting your instinct. Is there any specific advice you would give to your younger self aside from that? It's tempting to say that I would tell my younger self not to worry so much. I was very worried about the future, about uh, whether or not I would manage to make a living from illustration. But at the same time, if I uh, had been given that advice and taken it, maybe I would have relaxed more and not worked as hard and <laughs> maybe things wouldn't have worked uh, out as well as they have. I don't know. And, and again, the world was so different back then, so it would have been difficult. The world has, illustration world has gradually changed all the way uh, through those 24 years. And now it's, uh, I wouldn't have even recognised uh, the business today back then. Do you have to use computers in your actual artwork now or do you still work with drawing tools and standard pencils, paints? And... I don't have to use computer-based work. I still do a lot of analogue drawing but for my uh, last book for example I did the whole thing on uh, the iPad. Yeah I was using an app called Astropad that enables me to use the iPad Pro as a, a tablet so I worked in Photoshop and but it's a great way of working I think because uh, you can combine the tactile uh, advantages that the iPad gives you with using your hands to zoom and undo and move stuff and at the same time using keyboard shortcuts and everything that I usually use with Photoshop so it is by far the most the quickest and most efficient way I've ever drawn and uh, that was necessary with that book because I drew nearly 3,000 people, individually drawn people. So I had to do it in a way that was uh, fairly efficient. And I do tend to, to work mostly on the final pieces um, on the computer now, but it's been a long time since I did analog drawing. Sometimes I still do illustrations by hand. I draw by hand on uh, on the iPad as well. I don't think uh, I don't distinguish that much uh, between it anymore because with the uh, Apple Pencil, that was the first tool that I ever used that was as precise as uh, drawing with a pen on paper. It's so precise that I consider it hand drawing. When you do your sketches nowadays, do you tend to use the iPad rather than analog? Sometimes, but I do really enjoy doing sketches in sketchbooks with pens and pencils and I still love working with all sorts of materials like paint and crayons and um, I don't think I will ever stop doing that but I must admit that uh, 
different apps are getting better and better at mimicking uh, the actual physical materials. So uh, for people who manage to use it really well, it looks very convincing and saves you a lot of time. What projects are you working on at the moment? I am working on, uh, or I, I have actually finished a sequel to Everybody Counts. It's going to be a series of at least three books, maybe more. I have finished it and I was going to launch it this autumn, but at the moment I'm almost traveling full-time, reading and talking about Everybody Counts all over the world. I don't have much time to draw at the moment. I will um, work more focused on my next book over Christmas, uh, after Christmas, I hope. But right now, this autumn only, I've been um, to the Philippines, and to England, of course, and to Germany. I'm going to a book festival in uh, Lithuania uh, next week. And after, after that, a book fair in um, Mexico. That's basically what I'm doing at the moment. But um, I'm trying to find time to, to make more books as well. Do you get time to do any drawing while you're on these t- trips? Sometimes, not as much as I hope. It's, it's usually very intense. I always bring all my drawing equipment though. And uh, I always, if I don't have time to draw when I'm traveling, I, I, I need to kind of, um, to finish the trip off uh, by drawing stuff when I get back home, if I haven't drawn on, on the trip. I feel that I'm not really done with a place before I've done some uh, sketchbook pages with uh, impressions and things that I want to remember from that from that place. Do you tend to do that rather than take like casual photographs when you're on holiday? I do take a lot of photographs as well, but okay. uh, they're nearly always uh, meant for reference for drawing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not kind of family holiday snaps. It's all inspirations I, for future. <laughs> I tend to forget that sometimes. <laughs> Where's the best place for people to find your books if they're interested in buying them? In English, it would probably be on um, Wide-Eyed Quarter Books website. Thank you for joining us today, Kristen. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me.